Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. I'm delighted to welcome along today Victoria Hardy, better known on Instagram as Ginge Unhinged, which is just the best nickname I've heard, I think, in a long time. She describes herself as a conversationalist of taboo. She's a forthcoming book author and an online menopause advocate and mentor. She's shouting loudly for the millennials so they can truly own their individual menopause. And having been in medical and now surgical menopause since the age of 33, describes herself as the badass next door living it. She's spreading empowerment and challenging women to look within to understand their true selves, knowing that they too can change the narrative of menopause for generations to come and stepping into their own special kind of fears. Welcome along, Victoria. Hey, thank you for having me. So can we maybe start off by talking about what was the point at which you realised that you were in menopause or were kind of placed into to menopause? Yeah, so there really is two timelines. So the timeline of being physically placed into medical menopause before my hysterectomy, so I was 33 then, mm-hmm. and I was put onto a drug um, to prepare me for the hysterectomy and kind of clean things up, I guess. And that was um, for a period of six months. And then I had my hysterectomy. And of course, after that happened, you are thrown into surgical med- menopause immediately. So I was 34. Mm. So that's kind of in the time frames of my ages and, and what happened. However, the realization I was in menopause <laughs> came a lot later because um, I wasn't told about uh, medical so literally med- nothing, no, no preparation, yeah. no... No preparation. I was told I would maybe have a few hot flushes from the drug that I was taking uh, for this preparation. That's how it was described. It wasn't you are going to be in a medical menopause. And the word surgical menopause was never mentioned. It was here's a box of HRT. You may, you know, you're, you may have to take those for the next 20 years. Um, I always say a leaflet on how to poo. That's what I walked out of the hospital with. <laughs> And a plan of how to heal physically for the next 12 months. Don't lift a kettle, you know, make sure you rest. The usual stuff that we get told. But menopause and the conversation around what that could look like for anybody, let alone somebody at the age of 34, physically, mentally, socially, was never mentioned. It was never brought up until two years later when I was sat with my therapist. And it was, in fact, he who said those words to me first. Wow. And presumably at that age, no one else in your kind of age cohort was was going through anything like what you were going through. So you had no frame of reference there. No, the the only reference I had was my own mum, which has really purely been on reflection um, after me learning about myself. And oh, yeah, of course, she went through that. And I, I was the youngest of four children. My brothers are all quite a bit older than me. So I was sort of the accident that came later. (laughs) So I was fairly young when my mum went through menopause, actually. Um, Mm. She sort of skipped from me into then what would have been her perimenopause. And she never really spoke to me about it. And, and, you know, she must not have made that connection either, This that her daughter was having a hysterectomy. So therefore she would be in menopause straight away with Mm. all of what it comes with uh, to have that conversation. Yeah, interestingly, my my mum had a full hysterectomy, I guess, when I was in my mid-teens. And yeah, you know, we wasn't really talked about much. And I can imagine sort of thinking back now, 
what it must have been like dealing with three teenage girls and um, being thrust into that similar sort of situation. <laughs> I guess you would have been a, yeah, like, oh gosh, I wish I could go back and give you a big hug. But yeah, so so you you've talked about going into to therapy. Is that so? You spent a couple of years really not knowing why you were feeling as you were feeling. Yeah, and that was the worst thing for me. So. I guess after my hysterectomy, it was all about physically becoming well again and getting back to work. That was the focus, you know, get back, get back to work after your three months off, get back to that physical fitness that I was at. I ran on the morning of my hysterectomy. You know, I was, I was pretty fit um, in terms of physical fitness beforehand Um, and just get back to that kind of, you know, the well-being that I felt, I felt I'd had before, you know, mental well-being, um, and self-development and all of the good stuff that kind of I was interested in before but it was all about getting back to work and of course what I was hit with was a a rush of physical symptoms that hit um, you know one after the other Um, and I just thought that was kind of part and parcel of things again hadn't made that connection but you know what I was out of pain I'd had this severe pain of 20 years of endometriosis Mm -hmm. I was out of risk of cancer so I was kind of putting up with the physical stuff um but it was the mental side that really tripped me up massively because I lost myself. Um, I lost my confidence. I um, became hugely depressed and felt like I was just living this other person's life that just wasn't me. I just did not know what was happening. Um, And I slipped into a a mental breakdown where I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, But I thought it was depression and anxiety that's what it was diagnosed as Mm. Um, and that really came two years later where I was sat in therapy and it was yeah as I said my therapist that after obviously a few sessions and going back over what had happened over the last 20 years and over what had happened throughout the hysterectomy and I'm following that that said I think this is surgical your surgical menopause Um, and I was like what now? <laughs> Sorry, wait, what? <laughs> what? What surgical menopause? And he's he's like, yeah. And and that's where I always say that's where my healing really started to happen. Mm. Were you angry when you first found out that you'd sort of almost wasted that two years or spent that two years in this really really difficult place? I think initially I was focusing on just getting myself right um Mm. and living I think anger definitely came as a wave frustration followed um and not only at the system um at myself because I'd always advocated for myself hugely I'd had to since the age of 14 I'd been on my own I, I mean I'd not been on my own my husband's been very supportive but I'd had to advocate for myself um, from very young through a healthcare system that didn't necessarily have your back as a woman, let alone a young woman. Um, I'd had to advocate for my my pregnancies and my children. And for some reason, I was so, I was like, why did I not do that? Why did I, why wasn't I curious enough? Why didn't I ask enough questions at that time? I think I was so exhausted of just going into that hysterectomy going, this is going to help to save my life and to to get me out of pain 
I, yeah, I was extremely angry at myself, but I was frustrated and cross that nobody had sat me down and supported me through that properly. And I still, I don't hold on to that anger or frustration <laughs> because I believe you've got to let stuff go. Yeah. But that drives me now to to do better for other people. And, and when did you start sort of talking very openly about your experience on social media? How did that come about? So I started talking about mental health. Um, Ginger Unhinged was born from my mental health journey because of course at the the point of having therapy we hadn't quite connected the dots at that point it was through um dealing with the depression and the low you know the lowness of it all really and it was again my therapist that said to me you're obviously really creative and you know you're a writer at heart and these things that he'd established when we talked about what do we what do I like to do to bring joy in because we know that's a huge Mm reliever of stress and that has a knock-on effect to panic and anxiety and obviously depression and he said I think you should blog and I was like oh I'm not ready for a blog (laughs) um and and I'd come off social media like privately I'd had a private account on Instagram and Facebook as you know us oldies that still have Facebook (laughs) (laughs) too Facebook so, I'd, so it felt really alien to go back on. And he said, I think you should just start to share little snippets of what you're you're doing and journal. And and it was really him that started that. So Ginger Unhinged was born from that. Gin, you know, Ginger Girl being slightly unhinged at the time. And that then progressed, of course, as I learned more about this surgical menopause and how that had played into this mental health journey that I'd had. Um it became more and more talking about menopause. And as I learned more and wanted to advocate more and became part of that community, I think that's where I found my driving force to be like, oh, okay, this is when I felt like I'd had no purpose. Mm. I was like, this is my purpose to turn this into something that can help others. And has it helped you to kind of connect with other people who've gone through what you've gone through? Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, I felt so alone um as you said before my friends weren't experienced and still not experiencing menopause now um not yet they will do can't wait for them to come knocking (laughs) um but uh I felt so incredibly alone and to meet other people online and in that community is just amazing it's just fantastic because Yes, you don't want anyone else to be feeling like you do because it can be so rubbish, but equally we're in it together and those people get it in a way that nobody else will. Um, And I guess it's like anything you go through, right? If you have a community of people that are experiencing something in their life that maybe, you know, the rest of us don't, you know, and that's why people experiencing cancer, you know, connect with other people that are experiencing that particular cancer because we're in it together then and we can kind of empathize and g each other up in Mm. a way that maybe other friends can't um and yeah they've I find that community incredibly inspiring um to keep you know to for for me to keep sharing and of course then you're bringing other people into that as well through through sharing my experience Mm. uh and then so you you've Now, taking that one step further uh, uh, in writing a book that is specifically 
all people going through what you yourself went through. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your, your project and what can people expect if they uh, get a hold of a copy of the book? Yeah, so I started writing this book about a year ago and I, I actually did a project at work that was similar in bringing different people's stories in. And I think for me, talking about menopause, um, obviously I fly the flag for surgical menopause and menopause that's younger, but I just always felt like I was outside of that societal box of what we see. And, and we know the awareness around menopause is so incredible now and we've got all of the great campaigns and we've got the celebrities talking about it and mm. the doctors talking about it from medical perspectives and nutritionists and fitness people talking about it and I really want I really felt like the conversation still wasn't diverse enough that actually menopause affects so many different ages different cultures um, and I still haven't covered it all in my book, but it's, I wanted to tap into that. And I did a little, um, a project at work, which was, went crazy. It went global. And I thought, hmm, there's something in this. And somebody said to me, you should publish that externally. And I mean, I couldn't, cause it was to do with, you know, the job that I had at the time, mm-hmm. but that really spurred me on to think, okay, there's something here about cathartic for me to share my story but I wanted to bring in a diverse lens and I just felt like there was something missing about that kind of the person actually living it. And what I'd learned over the five years of being in this early menopause surgically, um, not just around the medical stuff and the HRT, but also what I'd learned about myself and self-development and self-discovery and what my physical self needed and what my mental self needed and what my soul needed and what lights me up and how kind of stepping into that almost queenhood of owning this phase of our lives however it comes along and that was really the inspiration for the book and it covers all of those things it covers the stories of others it's got my memoir in it but it's also about the person who owns that book. It's their book. It's their menopause and it's their rules. And we're all so individual and it's about learning from each other and connecting. But it has that beautiful space available in it to write in and to reflect on what you've just read or what you're trying or how you advocate for your yourself with your doctor um, how you prepare for your hysterectomy, if that's, you know, mm. what you're you're preparing for. How you can, you know, bury the person that you live with that's driving you mad in terms of handy bonus chapter. Exactly. It's got the it's got the humour, it's a bit poetic, yeah. but it's got the rip out pages if you just want to rage on a page. And it's got <laughs> it's got space for the person reading it to write their own rules. And that was really um, my driving force to kind of bring in as much as I could, but so that the person can really own it. And I'm holding my hands to my chest. Yeah. But I just have this kind of like vision of. So you're handing, holding their hand as, as their yeah, kind of exactly. guide and, and mentor. It's like, it's like that comfort. And for somebody to be really writing their own prescription over this, because, you know, HRT is great. Um, nutrition is great. Movement is great. And we talk about those things, but there's no medical professionals in it. There's no statistics in it that quickly go out of date. That it is about how do I write my own rules 
my own prescription for my menopause right now um whilst connecting to others in the book as well so it's the yeah the the kind of the friendly guidance that you wish you'd had going through all of this and you can give people the benefit of your, your own experience and kind of help them step through all of those those different phases because presumably there's a there's a certain amount of grieving as well involved especially at a younger age and kind of you know why is this happening to me now why do I have to be different from everybody else and so yeah it takes a lot to to kind of work through that as well as all of the like you say the the kind of the physical fallout of of having a hysterectomy which is a you know serious big operation yeah for sure it's it's funny because we we focus so much on the medical side which of course needs to be focused on and then there is so much more support that's needed for people going through hysterectomies both before during and after we don't get the package you know we get the 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 hysterectomy done and that's the same for menopause as well you know there's so much support that happens around pregnancy for example but this is a huge part of people's lives that is changing and there's just not that that support from a medical Mm. with a holistic view as well and I felt like that was really important. And yeah, we don't talk about the grief enough, you know, for some women going through this, you know, their life path has completely changed from what they they or society has expected of them as a woman. You know, we know that we have to start reframing womanhood as different to motherhood. Um, you know, I was very lucky to have two children. I had to make that decision very young because my fertility was literally being zapped away from me and that was a that was a rough road to to make that decision young but then of course there came the grief of I wouldn't have any more children and I had to kind of sit with that also in a societal lens of I've you've already got two you're all right you know it's like yeah what have you got to complain about it's so different for everybody and I think this is about ta- taking on all of the different elements. I talk about it like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, we're all, mm-hmm. we all have our different pieces that make up our picture and our experience of what we're having uh, and what we're, we're having at a particular time. And it's about understanding and being able to sit and say goodbye to parts of ourselves that we're not in tune with or we're not societally connected with because of, you know, how we've been brought up or or how we are expected to be and we don't give us we don't give ourselves time to sit with ourselves and really connect in and I think it's about allowing that grief to come acknowledging it's about moving forward from that and it's about finding what lights us up now and also the great side of menopause because of course there is one it's not all bad it's not all doom it's definitely a reckoning it's definitely a moment where I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this but yeah it's definitely you know where you can lose a few hoots you know you can kind of you can put that hat on and and be like actually yeah I'm I'm a really fierce person and I've got this new path to live and it's about going and getting that as well were there any parts of writing the book that you found sort of more emotionally taxing than others sort of revisiting certain points in your own journey yeah there definitely were I think it's funny because 
you would think that it might be going over the physical um, hysterectomy itself. And in fact, I, I write that section with quite a lot of humour. That's probably my, my coping mechanism. You have to laugh um, about these things. Yeah. Indignities. <laughs> there's elements to it where I just think, oh, if you don't laugh, you'd cry. So there's definitely the humour and how I've told that story. And I do talk very vulnerably about my mental health and um, my journey there. I think the hardest part for me was there is a section around low libido and self-pleasure and I felt really I really felt that that was an important section to put in to the book because we talk about low libido and we talk about testosterone sometimes almost like the magic gel or pill Um, and of course it's not if you can get it (laughs) you're lucky enough to get it And of course, it's not a bit like HRT. It's just not the magic pill. And we talked about grief. And I think grief and trauma have a lot to answer for. And I think writing that section of the book was a real realization for me as I was writing it. And I hate that comes across to people that read it is that as I wrote that section, you are living that conversation that I'm having with Mm -hmm. my friend who happens to be a, she's a, um, she's called the naked coach. Um, and that's an area we don't talk about enough as women, um, self-pleasure and, um, connection with our own bodies and how we feel about ourselves or how we even talk about our parts, that part of our body. A lot lot of stigma and shame and, and certainly, yeah, for people of my generation, just something you didn't talk about. (laughs) No, and I do think it is getting better for the younger Mm. generation because of tv programs and it's sort of a lot more kind of out there but we're kind of that gap in the middle of you know and I honestly just thought I was going to like get a few tips off my friends about how to kind of and we just went into that really deep and I found that quite difficult to realize that there's a lot of trauma there over what I've experienced in all of you know I'd had 18 operations gynecological Mm. operations since the age of you know 15 there was a lot and I think that's a very vulnerable section um and it's a section I'm still working on (laughs) as in not writing just actually working and processing yeah processing and I think that uh was a very difficult one to write well I'm sure your extreme vulnerability will help other people who are going through the same thing because it it's something that we you know we don't learn in school or at least you know we didn't do it's something that quite often we don't feel like we can talk openly about with our friends or maybe even with our partners Um, and so actually you know giving people the tools and the time and the space to to be able to unpack that sounds like it's incredibly valuable yeah and you're illustrating the book as well yourself is that right I am for my sins (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I've illustrated it it just felt right I do I doodle I've always doodled a lot I think is the word um rather than professional artist in any way (laughs) but I would do that for mine really as part of my mindfulness Mm. um journal and I would do a sort of monthly drawing. And apart from sharing the odd picture online of those, I don't really put it out there to anybody else. My drawings, you know, my words I'm quite comfortable with, but drawings are another thing. But when it came to the book, I knew I would I wanted doodles and illustrations in it to kind of help tell the story. And it, you know, it feels a very funky 
book. Mm. It's, it doesn't look like a normal menopausal book that you'll have. Um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't um, have that same vibe. And yeah, it just felt right to to put my own drawings in there rather than sort of cut and paste something off offline. And um, I'm hoping that the readers will connect with those as they do with the words because each one is kind of individual and they're a bit messy which is a bit like me I'm a bit messy in <laughs> mind and menopause is messy right so sure it kind is. of you know it's, it's definitely a funky book not a you know clean it's well put together and it's great quality of course but it's um yeah I think it it shows that air of that we're all just part of a journey and and that's what I've tried to bring out in the drawings hmm. I like I love that idea that you know you you're kind of encouraging people to engage with it to scribble on it to kind of to write notes you took ripping pages out to uh you know <laughs> burn after reading or, <laughs> or whatever yeah. yeah it sounds great so what's uh yeah I don't know what what's your kind of hope and dream for for the book you know if we were chatting in a in a year or so's time from now, what would you like it to have achieved? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I think success is a funny word, isn't it? Because everybody's sort of gauge of success is different. But I think I always go back to my why. And my why for writing the book was I felt incredibly alone when I was experiencing something that I had very little idea about. Yeah. and I wasn't informed. And I don't want anyone else to feel like that. But there are a lot of books and a lot of podcasts and a lot of, you know, YouTube videos and things like that that are talking about menopause, which is great. But I think there's a point where we have to also take some action and we also have to um, almost start to move forward on the conversation individually. And I think that's kind of the ritual of the book of writing in it as well as just reading it. And it's really becoming the person that owns it. I think the the success of the book for me will be to help people in that way, to not only learn something about themselves and another person, but to also be able to really feel like they can move forward in their own way um, with their experience. And obviously, the more people that get to read the book, the better, because that just feels like that message is getting out there then. Um maybe in a way that's not been told before um but yeah that that would be my hope is that we can reach as many people as possible that are coming up into perimenopause either you know elder millennials as I'm known as um (laughs) starting to hit that stage or or particularly for those that are younger going through it either in PRI or surgical Mm. um it would be great to get it into charities and and to get it into to be one of the go-to books that would be recommended. Would you say that it is is predominantly aimed at people going through surgical or early menopause, or can it be used and read by pretty much anybody? Yeah, I've purposely written it so that it could be read by anyone. So I've I've got the good old broad age range of sort of eighteen to to fifty five and beyond. Really, yeah. it's a real because it's it's explains all the different types of menopause and you've got lots of stories in there not just mine but stories from all different types of menopause you know perimenopause surgical medical chemical trans menopause we talk about how does menopause 
affect when you're in a same-sex couple mm-hmm. you know how is it affecting the men in our lives or partners in our lives how do we talk to our children how do we have this conversation about work you know it's all of those things I believe it could be helpful for you know really for anybody that's experiencing it because as it is you're writing your own rules so you're learning about everybody else but initially you are writing in there what you need and how you're gonna advocate and find what lights you up for you yeah because we are all going to go through it in a, in a very singular different way there's no as you said no one size fits all it sounds fantastic I can't wait to get my hands on a copy and uh, we'll pop a link in the show notes for anybody who wants to get hold of a copy themselves find out more and yeah also a link to where they can find your very entertaining instagram account which i (laughs) recommend to go and follow uh where you'll also be able to find out more about the book as well uh thank you so much for joining us today it's been such a pleasure i really appreciate you finding the time to fit us in I know you had a really busy morning this morning so it's been lovely chatting to you oh thank you so much for having me you've been listening to the middling along podcast do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live and why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well I do hope you enjoyed listening today if you did I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.